Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Imad Khan of CNET. G2 Esports has filed a lawsuit against blockchain company Bondly, which was set to develop the sale of NFTs for its brand. G2 claims that Bondly misled leadership and is claiming $5.2 million in damages. To discuss this lawsuit is the Washington Post's Mikhail Klementov. Mikhail, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure as always. So, Mikhail, before we get into like kind of the, the weeds of the lawsuit, I mean, how, what was this deal exactly and how was it structured between G2 Esports and Bondly? Sure. So this was a two-year partnership between the two companies and at least looking at G2's filing, uh, it, it feels a bit lopsided to me. Um, G2 had entered this two-year partnership in which it was offering Bondly access to its intellectual property and brand cachet, basically. So they said, you can have access to imagery, audio, video related to G2 and the teams that we operate. And you'll also have you know promotional power from us. We're going to tweet about you as a partner of ours. We're going to promote our sales and so on and so forth. And in exchange, what Bondly was supposed to do was do all of the technical development and creation of the NFTs, and then subsequently do the sale thereafter. Um, the complications arose almost immediately, though. So it's hard to say that you know beyond the planning phase, there was that much that actually went on. There was a state of work that was outlined between the two companies. And if everything followed the state of work, you can sort of chart out how that would have looked. But at this stage, and, and this is the reason for the lawsuit, really, Nothing happened. No work happened between these two companies. Well, you know, looking at uh, at least the article that you wrote up is that, you know, Bondi were, was supposed to pay G2, what, annual fees of $2 million um, with an advance guarantee of $1.25 million. And, you know, maybe in the world of NFTs, th- this might seem very paltry uh, in, you know, considering you have like pictures of apes going for millions upon millions of dollars. <laughs> But, you know, in the world of esports, a uh, million dollars, a couple million dollars is quite a bit of money. Um, so, I mean, how did Bondly and G2, like, maybe get to these numbers? And was and it seems that there was not only an issue of non-payment, but I guess, I guess also of non-work. Yeah, so it's hard to say how the numbers exactly were arrived at, but G2 in its filing is pretty explicit about, you know, what those numbers represent. They accuse Bondly of essentially misleading G2's leadership about Bondly's capabilities to do any of this work at all. And they say that, you know, the evidence of this, the evidence of the fact that kind of Bondly took G2 for a ride is that, you know, Bondly planned to pay G2 a total of $4 million over the course of this partnership. And to G2, that stands as evidence that, you know, G2's brand is worth that much. And one of the lines, I don't have it in front of me right now, but they talk about, I I think the phrase is, you know, cynical manipulation or something to that end. Mm -hmm. Uh, They talk about, you know, Bondly waiting until G2 had announced this partnership and therefore, you know, figuratively brought Bondly under its brand wing before saying, oh, we at Bondly actually can't do any of this work. G2 views that as like, Bondly absolutely taking advantage of its brand, which, according to this contract, is worth, you know, at least $4 million over the course of two years. Were you able to figure out if any NFTs were made or sold? No, I honestly have no idea about the actual work. I assume nothing went through. 
the, the the complication here is that we really only have G2 side of things from this filing. We reached out, of course, to G2 for comment, to the lawyers who are on the filing, to Bondly, didn't hear back from anybody. But this filing comes from G2 and it is you know explicitly their perspective of how this went down. And what they seem to represent in their filing is that you know, almost immediately there's this miscommunication where a representative on Bondly's side says, hey, we, we can't actually fill out the work that we've said we want to do. And in fact, what G2 also alleges is that pretty early on in the process, Bondly starts shirking its responsibilities and saying that those are actually G2's responsibilities. That, for example, G2 is actually the one in this partnership who needs to be developing an NFT strategy, not Bondly. And if you look at the state of work, there, there are two contracts attached to this filing. You can see that, you know, I'm saying this not as a legal expert, at least to me, based on the exhibits provided, it does seem pretty clear that, you know, according to this state of work, the development of this strategy was on Bondly. Um, but so what we have from this very limited perspective on this whole story is that very, very early on, Bondly or G2 alleges that Bondly reneged on its responsibilities and really on the, their capability at all to to participate in this partnership. So I don't I don't think any NFTs were made, any assets were exchanged uh, to any serious degree. Mm -hmm. You know, I think when the deal was announced last year, I was kind of surprised because uh, you know G2's CEO. Uh, Carlos Ocelot Rodriguez uh, is very vocal about um, a bunch of things, and he seems to be the the kind of guy who generally falls in line with like the larger gaming and esports community. Um, and I think his personality is one of that. Like, hey, I'm just I'm like any other normal dude. I'm just, but I just happen to own an esports team or be the CEO of an esports team. Um, and you know, in his tweet, he said, you know, it's easy to hate on NFTs due to you know all these. Uh, cash grab attempts by weasels um but he said that we're doing this for the right reasons but even then it seems that it really hasn't come to bear uh has uh carlos or tweeted about this at all since uh this lawsuit was filed or has he been also very silent i think carlos tweeted once about the uh the article without ever kind of mentioning the article or referencing it specifically um, I think he wrote, I don't have it in front of me. I think he just said, we got funged or something like that. Just kind mm -hmm. of a play on, on non-fungible token, um, right. kind of aligned with that brand you described of like kind of a goofy everyman, like self-deprecating, likes to poke fun at himself at the brand. Um, and I think for most people who follow Carlos, the stuff he tweeted around that, which was you know, the results of the G2 Valorant matchups. Uh, that was more kind of immediately relevant to them. So I, for for the most part, I think Carlos just kind of stayed out of this publicly. And it is an issue for G2 and Bondly insofar as it plays out in the courts and not on social media. Yeah, you know, I think in your article, you also mentioned that uh, other esports teams have jumped into the NFT game, including Sentinels, Ninjas in Pajamas, uh, Face Clan, 100 Thieves. Uh, do we have a sense of, you know, how much their NFTs are selling for? I honestly don't have a clear sense. Um, I think I, as I was doing the research and putting the story together, I clicked through some of the kind of NFTs that were being sold. 
And they look like they were being sold for, you know, not very much at all. Um, although in context, you see a figure that says like, uh, this NFT is going for 0. 0.002 Ethereum. And that is already, you know, several thousands of dollars. Right. So, I mean, whether they're going for a lot of money, whether they're selling at all is is kind of a, or rather, I guess the value is a, a matter of perspective. Whether they're selling at all is, is a kind of variable viable thing you can look into i just don't have that on hand right now yeah i think uh, the like the esports industry can be wildly speculative from investors mm. and uh, nfts can, are at least to me seem even more wildly speculative um so i don't know if like the speculation between you know esports investors and nft investors come come to clash um as to why you know we aren't seeing like you know ninja nfts or whatever just popping off with in these like multiple ether sales yeah i wish i had a better sense of you know why certain brands get into nfts and others don't um i think some of these brands you know are very close to the tech industries have a lot of people who've jumped over from you know traditional tech companies and are now working in esports, so there's there's some mingling there. Um, whereas, you know, you mentioned Ninja. Ninja has you know a talent manager. He has a whole team built around them. I'm sure they've done risk assessments. Um, it's possible even that Ninja owns NFTs and just hasn't disclosed it on Twitter. Uh, there's really so much we don't know about these figures about what their investments are. Um, and I do wish we had a bit more insight into why certain members of the space are getting involved or not getting involved. Um, Carlos, at the very least, the thing I will sort of credit him with, um, and the credit comes with a lot of caveats because, as we all know now, the first arrangement between G2 and Bondly absolutely didn't work out. But early in that conversation, Carlos, at the very least, you know, seemed to pay lip service to We've done our research, you know, we've uh, evaluated the environmental impact. We've considered all of these elements. We've looked at this and that and this, and we've chosen the partner that, you know, we think will suit us best. How much of that is genuine? It's hard to say. But at the very least, even if this is just for PR reasons, Carlos specifically was aware of the conversation around NFTs, was probably anticipating the backlash um that's mm. as much kudos as i can grant him really yeah you know one final thought that i have is uh given that esports companies tend to sometimes fudge their valuations um nfts are like one of those things where it's the open market deciding what a brand's value is truly worth at least mm. you know in the crypto space um and I think maybe the reason why we haven't seen like tons of teams jump on it, uh, jump on the bandwagon is that, you know, if you're uh, uh, an NFT featuring your mascot or your star player or whatever ends up only selling for, I don't know, a hundred dollars or the equivalent of that, then that ultimately uh, might signal to investors that, Hey, you know, the actual hype around maybe this team is not as high as maybe they're leading on, but this is just kind of a thought that I have. Yeah. The way companies in esports make money or, or the sources from which they, they derive money is kind of a going fascination of mine. I did an interview a couple of weeks ago, I would say now, uh, that hasn't gone out yet in any form. And I, I feel sort of, 
I don't want to say exactly who it was with yet because it'll it'll come out in a broader package. But I was asking this person about a, a certain source of funding for their company. Um, and as opposed to giving like a very clear justification of like, okay, we took, you know, X person's money. I'm, I'm kind of making up the particulars here uh, for this specific reason. This person said, well, you know, Disney takes money from these figures and all these other industries take money from these figures. And, you know, uh, EA and all of these game developers take money from these investors. And so, you know, why shouldn't we? There's a lot of kind of looking to guidance uh, from other industries in esports right now. I think the the kind of mainstreaming of esports has made figures in esports think like, Oh, we're just, you know, like any other industry and we can experiment and diversify and do weird experiments. And depending on sort of where the esports company or figure in esports is, uh, depending on how, I guess, mainstream they are, they'll, they'll do all sorts of different things. I don't know. This feels, this answer feels more rambly than maybe it is useful, but uh, all to say that, like, I'm sure we'll be learning more about that in the future about how esports companies make money, where they accept money from, and and so on. No, it's been a huge fascination of mine as well. And um, more often than not, like the answers uh, can be a bit more suspicious <laughs> when you <laughs> when you actually do start uh, digging. Um, but Mikhail, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you again for having me. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to ftwamad.com. To follow Mikhail and keep up to date on all things esports, especially in Valorant, follow him at LeaderGrev on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at CNET, you can find me at Ahmad on Twitter. This episode was produced by Henrique Demore, the show's executive producer is Kevin Morris. With that, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you.